CBC Signal to Noise. It's Valentine's Day, 2022, Monday, February 14. Davis Michelson here in for Chip Flory. Jim Wiesmeyer, happy Monday to you. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. I'm, uh, I have done 13 speeches over the last month, and I'm geared up. I've traveled all over the place. Last week alone, a great spot for the Missouri pork producers at the uh, Ozarks, and then I went up to almost 80 degrees, Palm Springs, California. Then the same day, I traveled to Fargo, North Dakota, where it was a 50-mile-an-hour gust, 20 miles sustained, and it was minus 15 degrees. So I've had it all. That's a 95-degree spread for you there, buddy, getting on the plane and then getting back off again. Yes. Uh, I imagine an old pro like you can handle that sort of thing pretty well, though, yeah? It's getting harder. <laughs> it's getting harder. I got an earache over the weekend from those winds, I think. But again, all the spots were great people. But Fargo people are some of the best because, you know, in that area, uh, you want to be there if you're there, okay? Uh -huh. and, and they come up to me all the time and say, thank you, really thank you for being here and they had a band and everything it was just fun oh, no kidding oh no kidding. it was fun yes yes it was well fun. and you gotta you gotta figure you know a, a place like fargo you, you almost gotta try to get there like you don't accidentally wind up in fargo do you well, it helps being paid to go there. Well, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, yeah. But the band person, uh, the, the female singer had boots on, not as big as uh, Mary J. Blige, though. <laughs> well, <that> no. <laughs> you you see should... how I worked that in? I love it. I love it. I was figuring out how we were going to get there from Fargo, and you, you nailed it. You nailed it. The consummate pro. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was watching, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I ought to be walking around in a pair of boots like that. But to be honest, it looked like she was about to tip over most of the time. You know, I may so, need to wear them the opposite way because I tend to bend over now too much. You know, it's it's called getting older. But, you know, I, I want to talk about Davis. What, with all the speeches that I do do, of course, I listen to the other presenters. Yep. And you pick up every once in a while a, a bigger issue that, that farmers are talking about. Now, there okay. uh, many of them are bullish, by the way. I heard uh, more than a few tell me, do you think we'll have $8 corn and $18 beans? So I heard they ate a lot there. Yep. Yep. But in, on the crop insurance side, there's an option called SCO. And, you know, when I was in Ohio recently, they gave it some fodder that it could pencil out. Uh, if you go into the ARC program, that's not an option for you. And that's important to note. Uh, you'd have to be in PLC to even have SEO, you know, supplemental coverage uh, option. But uh, when I was in North Dakota, you know, they don't have as higher coverage on the traditional crop insurance, maybe 65%, 70, uh, as opposed to Ohio. So I think that could be a factor that they'd rather buy up for more coverage on the traditional program. But I would tell any listeners out there, pencil it out, always listen to your crop insurance agents as far as whether it would fit your operation. But there's a lot of different uh, opinions regarding that program, but it has some merits in it because you can get higher price coverage because it's based on RMA prices. Uh, so, so, so there, there, there is some merits. And if you're a pro farmer subscriber, which you should be, uh, we'll, we'll have the details. In fact, we have it on, you know, we have it on pro 
Gmail.com this morning. Okay, very good. Um, so generally bullish, are you, are you talking North Dakota specifically or other places that you've traveled you're seeing? Wherever I go. Wherever, wherever that, I go. Is that across the crop spectrum? You mentioned beans and corn specifically. What Cotton, wheat, uh, other cotton, cotton, crops as well? Cotton for sure with what? I didn't even look this morning, but we were over 120. And you saw over the weekend the National Cotton Council came up and, and said an increase in in uh, in plantings of 7.3% uh, of, uh, to 12 million acres, which again where are these acres going to come from that we need for corn and soybeans? I mean, right. we're going to have probably the biggest acreage battle in decades in between corn and soybeans. Uh, that, that's what I'm sensing. And Chip has talked about this as well on, on AgriTalk over the last few months. I, I, again, uh, wherever I go, farmers have a lot of old crop corn to sell. So uh, when I ask them why, they usually mention, you know, our meteorologist is telling us this dryness could be seeping into portions of the of the Midwest. And so uh, I, I would still tell them at least ring the cash register every once in a while, because sure. as we noted on the front page of Pro Farmer, there's only been, I think you can count it on either one hand, no more than two times in which the prices for corn and soybeans have been this high. Now that ought to tell you something right there. Yeah, for sure. But you, but you, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking, I mean, farmers are still holding on to, to grain. They don't want to sell right now. They don't want to sell. And, yeah. and that's why you've had, uh, that, that has helped tighten the bases and, uh, they're, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them. I see them sticking with their guns. And I told them history tells me to always watch the funds because they're heavily long, maybe not at record uh, levels yet, but once funds start retreating on this thing, it can go down fast. So yeah, just well, be, be aware, be aware. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, you know, one, one thing that, that came clear to me over the last couple of months, someone brought it to mind and I keep coming back to it is when you're looking ahead to the coming growing season, you, the safe play is to just assume normal weather. And if we're all going to hold on to these, these, these on-farm stocks and hoping, thinking that there may be a drought, it might get dry. It just seems like there's an awful lot of risk there. Yes. Hope is not a marketing plan. We Atta know boy. that. Yeah. Boy. Well said. All right, moving on. Let's, let's broaden our scope. U S national security advisor, Jake Sullivan told CNN on Sunday, there's a quote, distinct possibility. There will be major military action very soon. In reference to Russia, a weekend call between uh, the Russian and U.S. presidents proved inconclusive. Now I see the headline this morning, Putin open for conversation on Ukraine. Jim, I can't get a straight answer on this. <laughs> well, definitely from U.S. officials. They've been consistent on one thing. They've used the word an imminent invasion. Uh, I mean, they've used it for several weeks now. Now, you know, we're writers. Uh, I learned years ago uh, in printed newsletters such as Pro Farmer, never use the word eminent. Uh, because when you use the word eminent, it should be out by the time you probably end, end up talking. Right. Uh, but yet right. they've said this for two weeks. And, you know, they ought to join the Federal Reserve under their transitory, team, <laughs> team transitory, as I called it this morning. I, maybe that's their strategy to put up so much pressure that they're getting uh, both Ukraine and Russian officials upset. But there does appear to be a little 
uh, twist here on Russian President Vladimir Putin's part of saying he's open to conversation. You would have thought he was open to conversation before. Now, mm -hmm. so, and that hit the wheat market early this morning. I don't know whether it'll come back or, or not. I haven't looked at the price charts yet. But uh, so, yeah, we're, we're getting conflicting signals here. And there was even an Associated Press report late over the weekend that even said that an intelligence report from the U.S. said that the date of which the invasion could occur would be this Wednesday. I mean, right. so, you know, these are uncharted waters here. I saw that, too. Is there a possibility there's something lost in translation? And when Mr. Putin said, I'm open for conversation, what he was really saying was, I don't quite have all my troops in place yet. I haven't figured out my cyber strike just yet. So let's kind of keep the wheels a spinning in the meantime for a day or two. I wouldn't doubt that whatsoever. It could be where the ground is. The uh, Wednesday could be where the ground is the most frozen, so his tanks can can <laughs> not sink. You know, I wouldn't. I don't trust. You know, I wouldn't trust the as former Senator John McCain called him the thug, and I mm -hmm. think he was right. Yeah, I wouldn't trust him. Um, it, one of my concerns is cyber attacks um already well, going on in ukraine okay already going on in ukraine a chance we see cyber attacks here in the u.s should we take more uh, decisive action not a question of if but when and and how how severe you would hope that we'd be ready on the uh counter cyber attacks for for once but uh, we'll see i will give biden credit on this one as far as getting the our allies together and they are speaking mostly in one voice on this. And maybe that has shifted. And I know on AgriTalk, I think it was the last time I was on, not Friday, but the Friday before, uh, we had a participant saying, you know, it would be a disservice to link uh, the Russia you know, you know, situation with China's situation relative to Taiwan. I disagree. I've had too many officials in this country tell me China is watching this issue very carefully to yes. see how the U.S. and our Western allies are doing it. So I think they are linked to, to a degree. I, I'm, I'm in that camp as well. Uh, just a quick little rabbit hole here. Any, any fresh news in the South China Sea? Well, we've tested. I know the U.S. has tested, and that riles uh, China up all the time. But, but we ought to test things like that because they I would do say. Yeah. They do that to us. So as long as you don't make one major mistake, because we've seen in the history of wars that it, it, it doesn't take much to start one. So, yeah, yeah we're into this high anxiety uh, mode here because uh, if Russia were to uh, actually invade, uh, this I think it would be the beginning of the new economic Cold War because uh, 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 Russia would uh, further align itself closer to uh, China, and you would uh, you would accelerate the the beginning of the of, of the split between China, Russia, and the U.S. and most of the Western uh, world, and that's a mega change. That's a fundamental change that would take years, to, but it would be more economic in nature. Well, and I, I dug up just a little bit of perspective from Josh Linville at Stonex on the fertilizer trade. Um, if, there's a, if there's a big dust up here and there are sort of export sanctions and things like that involved, urea, um, Russia accounts for roughly 15% of global exports of urea, 25 to 30% of UAN exports, 11% of phosphates, 
um, and 20% of global potash. Now, that's those are concerning numbers. Should those come off the market or, you know, we see some sort of embargo against the U.S.? Okay, well, that's one thing. But then consider also the uh, the impact of the natural gas flow potential disruption into Europe and what that would mean. You know, then that puts European officials at odds with, okay, do we send this nat gas to industrial uses or do we send it to keep people's homes warm and and help them cook their food through the, at all, least through the yes. wintertime? We've already seen the U.S. Uh, administration has tilted their hand on this one, Davis, because Wall Street Journal has a major story and Bloomberg, quoting Bloomberg, uh, that we're gearing up. I think all the ports, uh, some of the new capacity got got a, a, a regulatory reprieve to uh, start shipping uh, more liquefied natural gas to Germany. So we're Germany's backstop uh, because the Nord Stream 2 would go kaput. That's the that's the the uh, pipeline uh, uh, that Russia is going to supply Germany with the key energy supplies. Uh, that would be cut off. So yeah, can you let's connect dots here? Can you imagine if that were to occur? Look at the impact on acreage again in the U.S. Uh, the yeah. the traders would legitimately say, you know. If even if a producer who's not covered on fertilizer wanted to plant corn, they may not even have the opportunity to buy those supplies and you're off to the races because we're yeah. going to need those acres. We're going to need 90 million acres of beans and 90 million acres of corn. It could yeah. be explosives and some of these high dollar amounts, you'd have to price ration the crop. I, I really think that's what's going on right now anyway. But you're going to have to price ration the crop. So this is heady stuff, Davis, from a geopolitical system that's tying into the uh, to, into ag markets. Right, right. And just just one more thought on that natural gas that occurred to me while you were while you were talking. I mean, currently, aren't we sending about seventy percent of our our uh, LNG exports to China? Yes. So now, if we're going to begin to divert some of that natural gas over to Germany as a means to assist Europe against Russia, where, do, where does that leave China? It leaves them with Russia. And see, that's why when Putin went over yeah. to wow. celebrate the Olympics, they worked a deal. That's their backstop. Now, it's not as easy, probably, but it, it, it would get there. So we would see a realignment. We would, much like uh, if... Uh, China tempered their buys of U.S. commodities, well, they would still buy them from other countries and they would take them off the world market. We would just change the the mix, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, we probably had too many eggs in China's basket anyway, so I wouldn't even say that would be uh, an absolutely negative thing uh, you know, about it. So, again, these, these are things we got to monitor every day, and their market significance, geopolitical significance, political uh, aspects to the uh, you know, Biden administration. Mm -hmm. um, let's uh, let's switch gears again here. Continuing resolution on the spending bill pushes us out to. Did I see until March, March the eleventh right? through okay. March the eleventh, and it'll be done. The House has already passed it. The Senate will join uh, this week. Sometime I think they have a set up tentative vote on Tuesday, but it, it, it's going to be done. The important, you know, you know, two things, appropriators, not a good job. I don't care whether I like you appropriators <laughs> or not, you know, personally, right. 
you didn't do your job, okay? We're going to be halfway through the fiscal year that began October 1 before they even get a budget. Okay, but two, uh, there's an ag angle in here. The the livestock mandatory price reporting was extended with the last uh, you know, you know stopgap spending bill or CR as we call it, continuing resolution, through February the 18th, and that's why this week's important that they have to act, and they will. Uh, but we'll have to see the total of dollar amount, how much is, uh, I know both the House and Senate want to do a lot more funding for uh, for defense than what the Biden administration asked. So those are the salient points, but it'll be done, Davis. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, the House is out for the rest of the month. The Senate yeah. is in. Um, what uh, What can we expect from that? Well, I, uh, actually, I like when they're out of town because they can't do any damage to be blunt. I wasn't going to say it, Jim. I wasn't going to say it. Oh, I'll say it. At this stage <laughs> of my life, I mean, my goodness, I can tell the truth. Uh, but uh, on both both parties, by the way. Uh but I like when they go, if they go back, if they don't go over, you know, international trips, uh, like, you know, Pelosi, I think, is going to Israel. But I like when they go back to their districts and states because they're going to hear a lot because I hear it when I, when I go out there and not just from, you know, farmers and ranchers. And I think that's a good thing to hear what's on the mind. And they'll hear it big time on the mandates, the mask, the vaccines. Ooh. And that bridges us into all sorts of things because a number of Democrats are urging the White House for President Biden in his, I think, March 1, early March, uh, State of the Union address to to give the, 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 the statement we're getting closer to normal. And maybe the, the mask, you're seeing a number of Democratic-led states uh, start uh, lifting uh, their mask mandates. But mm -hmm. wherever I go in farm country, it is just people are just exhausted about yes. these mandates and they want it. They want it done. They want it done. <clears throat> I'm craning my neck here. Bill, excuse me. Looks like we have a few questions in the comments section. Ooh. Jim, can you can you see those right quick? Oh, let me. Uh... Um, yeah, the uh, the mask issue and and I I maintained you know the the whole carrot and stick approach with everybody do X or do Y and we can get back to normal. Um, I I think that people have done all the X's and Y's that they intend to by now, and uh, and understand the consequences of those choices or the you know potential ramifications. And I think you're exactly right there. Folks are about ready, and we can talk a little bit more about the Ambassador Bridge episode over the weekend and Trudeau's wrestling with the uh, with the mandates and such. But there's, uh, maybe a, you've there's, a, there's a counter protest going on in Canada against Trudeau, who let's let's say it gently, who has not been the leader on this issue that many Canadians uh, think he should have been. So uh, he may have to wear a mask of a different kind. Uh, you know, on that one to, to hide. Facial yeah. mask kind of a thing. Yeah, but, you know, we're <laughs> seeing that bridge was so important to U.S.-Canada trade, a significant yes. amount. And, you know, you don't have to pass many car lots in this country to see how fewer cars they have on their lots. And that's just going to add to the problem and also the parts situation and so yep. much meat trade goes on between over that bridge. So those are the points that we're eventually will learn big time 
after we have time to think uh, uh, practically about the impacts of this supply chain, uh, you know, problem and how critical and how we have to have more multiple uh, uh, parts. Some of the questions we're getting, anything yeah. uh, going to come from the new developments on the Dunham, or I think it's Dunham report or Durham report. That's the one investigating uh, the uh, Russia, you know, situation. And Former President Trump said there was some big news to come. Well, so we'll have to see. I'm just going to wait until the report is actually announced. But it looks like they're coming up with some other other Real stuff. Real quick, did did I read that that we do not that United States does not have an ambassador to Ukraine? That do is I have that true. right. That is true. And uh, why not? That's that's a big, big Seems significant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we can use other countries to serve as a liaison, but that shouldn't shouldn't happen. And then that's going to have to be looked at on in the future in the in the approval process in the Senate uh, from a foreign policy perspective. We ought to uh, accelerate. I, I think the president ought to get most of his ambassadors. I don't care whether they're Democrat or Republican. They ought to get who they want. We need yeah. people over there because we're seeing the example of that. From a market perspective, we have a, a comment. I said it nine years ago, and I'll say it now. What can we do profitably with $7 corn? You know, uh, yeah. That's where high prices cure high prices, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and the opposite, low prices cure low prices. And it's this volatility that can whack some industries. Uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, they, they don't usually last, uh, that long. And we've got another one. Also, anything ever come from China leasing land for Russia to grow grains? Remember that headline a year or so ago, I I'd have to, I'll check more into that, but China yeah. on around the world. Uh, especially in the continent of Africa, to 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 do just that. And I had a of a, a question from a North Dakota farmer uh, last week, uh, asking, should we look at our rules on foreign ownership or foreign involvement in in farmland purchases in the U.S.? I know that's been occurred before. It's not a major problem right now. Nebraska tried to put. A, a limit on that years ago and their legislature uh, eventually pulled it off. So there can, there can be some negative unattended consequences of that, but it's not an overt sure. problem at this particular time, but it always bears monitoring. Right, right. Uh, speaking of an overt problem that always bears monitoring, the IRS is a little behind. Tax season is is upon us. I'm I'm getting my papers together. I got, you know, I've been in touch with my preferred accountant i'm about all set the irs is is still uh counting beans, counting 20, beans from last year 24 million behind last year who do they think they are implementing the whip plus program you know, that was a year or two late as well. I mean, it's just, of course, that's their thing. Give us more money. Give us more money. Their budget last year was up 17%, but they have a lot of people. They're having trouble hiring people. And even when they hire people, they don't show up is, is what I, I, I read just this, you know, just this morning. Now, I, I'm into my estimating taxes, the quarterly thing. Mm -hmm. So I have to pay in advance. So, but if I had a big refund coming, which I usually got years before, I would be upset, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is just another cog 
in our system that very little is going right nowadays. Jim, there was there was talk of um, increasing the staff numbers at IRS and increasing enforcement and greater scrutiny on people's returns and and holding holding citizens and corporations to account uh, as a means to collect more taxes to kind of try and pay down some of this COVID debt. It doesn't sound like it's going very well so far. No, and it wouldn't go very well. I mean, they again, what we just said, they can't even do the typical stuff, you know. So until, you know, and you're going to throw money at that problem, that's like throwing money at our education system. The returns Mm -hmm. just do not follow, you know. So, no, I don't think that there's there's overwhelming, you know, uh, 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 support for that. Okay, okay. Well, we've about covered my list of things to talk about to this point. So now I want to make sure we take some time and find out what you're looking at in the week ahead. What's on your uh, What's on your radar? Well, the continuing resolution looks to be done either tomorrow or Wednesday in this Senate. Yeah, you always went went on Senate votes later rather than sooner. Then we have whatever they're going to call the new Build Back Better. Uh, there will be one. There okay. will be one. I don't know what it's going to be called. And it's going to be very top-heavy for climate change, at least $400 billion. Now, again, going th- in farm country, initially they were nervous about this climate change because of the Green New Deal. But increasingly, farmers have heard USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack and others, some of their farm groups say, hey, wait a minute, let's not be too negative on this carbon mitigation program because mm-hmm. Vilsack has says it could be the next revenue stream. Well, dollar signs are going off in farm sure. country. Sure. So there I see a changing of attitude because but they want more details and I don't blame them. So uh-huh. so we'll we'll eventually get whatever they're going to call the program, and it'll be very top-heavy for funding of uh, their climate change goals. Let's, let's, let's dwell on that for just a little bit, because I remember when the, the Green New Deal came out, um, that sort of bulleted list with the farting cows, and that whole document came out. I still have one in my file. I mean, it's, it's worth a read, um, but it was very blatantly climate top-heavy, um, called the Green New Deal, or the New Green Deal? Green New Deal. Green anyway. New Deal. Green New Deal, um, and that got so much pushback. Then we come with Build Back Better, who some were saying, well, this is just repackaged Green New Deal. Got some pushback, but it's still kind of sticking around. Are we just seeing the Green New Deal watering itself down according to um, attitudes, according to what they can get passed in legislation? Yes, but actually, the Green is. New Deal. It's as if they went back to normal order through a committee process because it's taken so long to get this done, which is not a bad thing that the American public have had a chance to comment on what they think is going to be in this bloated language uh, bill. And, but you're hearing things like there will be some legacy payments to producers who before it was popular did no-till farming. So it might just be one one-year payment, but that's very popular. Uh, Vilsack, uh, almost as much as the Federal Reserve used to say inflation was transitory, keeps saying this is not, he's not going to run a carbon pricing program. This is a farm program. Uh, So that, I think, has allowed him to tap 
the Commodity Credit Corporation, which they've already announced they will, to, to, to the tune of $1 billion to start yes. implementing this. But the signal that they're giving is focus will be on conservation type programs in carbon mitigation features. So, uh, and, and farmers can can deal with that as, as long as it's not mandated, it's an option, things like that. So uh, we still need to see how they're going to measure carbon and uh, how they're going to price it because Europe has, has taught us, uh, Davis, that the initial run at this were way too low and they've had to raise their you know, you know uh, their carbon mitigation, uh, you know, prices, and then you have the administration's push for for electric cars, and they announced uh, Friday at the Department of Energy plans uh, for uh, uh, putting these chargers out there, uh, electric chargers, and they're going to focus on the interstate highway system, no longer than a mile off of that interstate highway system for the initial funding mechanism, but that's going to take uh, several years to go through. Plus, we have to build up our electric grid in order to significantly increase the number of uh, electric cars. And, and to, as a follow-up, because I always say these things are connected, connect the dots. A corn producer will always ask me, what's the, this all mean for the future of the Renewable Fuel Standard Program? Yep. Well, it, it has to be uh, debated because the full authority for it ends at the end of this calendar year. That doesn't mean it's going to go away, but we need to see under what format. And ethanol has still a story to tell, but, uh, uh, you know, all these things are connected, but it's going to take a while to really get to the uh, uh, greater acceptance of electric cars. We have to build up our electric grid. We have to get those charging stations. And where are you going to put the waste of the batteries is what I hear a lot. You know, that's a whole whole nother issue as well. <clears throat> In other words, we're going to have that combustible engine far longer than people realize. Sure, sure. Well, we are out of time, and so we're going to have to come up with whole nother issues on a whole nother episode of DC Signal to Noise. Jim Wiesmeyer from Washington, D.C. Thanks so much for your insights, brother. Have a great week. Sure. I'm heading to University of Arkansas tomorrow. I, I think a former USDA official and a friend of mine, J.B. Penn, is going to be there. He's from Arkansas originally, and I can't wait to see him. So see you all next Monday. Yes, see you all next Monday here on DC Signal to Noise. Davis Michelson in for Chip Flory. Come on back next week and we'll separate the noise from the signal.